Welcome to today's episode, and I'm thrilled to bring you this conversation with Anthony Donataccio. It's a little challenging to put into words exactly what we're talking about. I think you're going to find this conversation mind-stimulating, maybe a little challenging to any current paradigms or viewpoints you have around figuring things out how to live your life, how not to live your life. It's a conversation that's intriguing and thought-provoking, thought-revealing, and even how to maybe disconnect a little bit from some of the thinking that we give ourselves, that we allow. So not to make things really oblique or... um, you know, vague, but I hope you'll take a listen and just consider some of the new ideas that Anthony and I talk about in this conversation. And without further ado, here we go. Enjoy. Hello, listeners, and welcome to the Older and Boulder podcast. And I'm so excited to share a conversation with you today with Anthony Donataccio. Anthony, I'm so honored that he's here today because he and I have met through a, a, a community of other coaches and what he has to share about what he does, but also the changes and challenges he made to be where he is today, come to the place where he is today. Um, I just thought it'd be fun to share with you all. So Anthony is a transformational clarity facilitator and coach, helping introverted people who are facing significant challenges in their life at a personal business or career level. And I know Anthony's going to be able to talk about that as, as we have our conversation today. And so Anthony, welcome. Thank you, Crystal, for having me into this conversation. So Anthony is, um, many miles away from me. Tell us where you are right now in the world. Okay, I'm in Italy, uh, probably from a geographical standpoint, about an hour by car northwest of Florence in Tuscany. So it's a beautiful walled city, um, whole lot of character. It's yeah, it's absolutely gorgeous part of the world. Okay, you're just making me jealous already. <laughs> which you can't do, but I'm feeling jealous already, a little envious. Um, and this is not the country that you lived in prior uh, to what, a few, couple of years ago. How many, how long, tell us, let's, let's just, let's just go back. Let's take you back. And can you tell us a little bit about what started you? Cause there's so much about your recent journey, how you got to Italy, what brought you there, what inspired all that, but Let's go back. I want to have that little time time music, you know, that, that's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so would you share with us and you start wherever you think it's uh, relevant, like how, how things started for you to get where you are today? I think 
as far as travel goes, it's my first overseas trip was back in 2000. And that really wet my feet. And I was by myself going to Hawaii for a week. And that pretty much kick-started all future travels, really. I, I, I just, there was something about exploring new places and just the new cultures and all, all types of, I guess, a heightened awareness of what exists outside. Even though I didn't really know what it was back then, it was something about yeah, seeing new places and meeting new people and that type of thing. So um, it pretty much became a annual or even yeah annual event where I'd go and book three or four weeks and go somewhere in the world each year. Now in Australia, uh, we're lucky to have the four weeks annual leave. So it, it definitely helps from a, um, a travel standpoint compared to the, I think the two weeks that um, people in the US uh, typically get. So that, that definitely helped there. But um, so yeah, my first actual European trip would have been in 2001. And that was actually visiting family for the first time over here. Um, and that again, just built on itself from arriving in the UK, doing two different bus tours, just exploring all these amazing places I'd heard of, but never actually physically visited. And I guess fast forward probably about 10 years, something really, really spoke to me more and more about the, I guess the sameness that existed from a, 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 a people level almost that no matter where you essentially travel, there's, there's something there that, yeah, it's hard to put a word to it really. That's yes, there might be different cultures. Yeah, there might be different countries or whatever, different cuisines that people eat and everything, but there's something beautiful that you start to experience about the people that you start connecting with at a human level. That's just, it just shows you that we're all the same. And again, and I'll, I'll probably say this a few times as far as I didn't realise it at the time because I started to see more and more as more and more trouble occurred. And at the time, um, probably about, yeah, around 20, is it 2008-ish, right? So they had the global financial crisis. I was working in finance at the time. So the economic environment was pretty unstable. I was in a kind of middle management position at the time. And I started to see myself getting stressed out a lot um, about a whole lot of different things. I was very much in, I, I'm very much, as, as you know, from the community that we're in, we sometimes get caught in our overthinking about things and um, it creates a certain amount of overwhelm that starts to innocently cause us to make stupid decisions and, and that type of thing from time to time. And what I started to go for was, although actually even going back to the early 2000s, I was very much into the personal development space. So I, I attend a lot of workshops and that type of thing. Mm. Once we got to, to that 20, 2008 to 2010 kind of period, I started immersing myself back in the personal development space a lot more. Now, The one challenge I started to come up against continually, though, was that I was reading all these books, attending all these workshops and everything, but it was like a sugar hit. I'd feel good for a while, 
And then it'd be like, like, this is supposed to make you feel better. Like doing these, whether it was affirmations, whether it was whatever, gratitude journals, whatever it was that I was getting bombarded with either through books or through the workshops I was going through. And that's where I, I started to take, it started to really slow down a bit more. I went, okay, I'm kind of done with this kind of environment. Hmm. And I think just taking that time out for a bit, letting my mind settle a bit, I started to see something that I couldn't put my finger on again, again, going back to that same thing. Now, as, as my career kind of progressed, I went into different senior leadership roles in the finance industry. And whilst there are amazing environments to work in from a learning perspective, I found myself continually in this overthinking, overwhelmed, energy drained type of personal feeling that eventually had a massive impact on my health as well. To the point where I actually quit one of my jobs and my wife and I, and this kind of leads us into where, okay. where we're now in Italy, is we basically just packed up our stuff, threw it in storage and took off overseas with just about six months planned. Can I pause you there? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's that journey you're describing. I would imagine that quite a few listeners can relate to because self-development is something that often shows up for people, um, whether they're, you know, trying to, if you will, I'm using air quotes, fix something in themselves or they've been told to improve something or be more productive. Um, and so it's interesting, yeah, you talked, you mentioned in 2000, you know, you had that touch and it sounds like then you kind of like pulled back, but then when the global crisis came back around, you said you stepped back into it. So, yeah. and I wanna clarify something for listeners that you mentioned, um, you brought up a couple of times and that you and I both relate to. So Anthony brought up overthinking and um, I'll, I'll, the, I'll, I'll define that really quick from what he and I are talking about. Overthinking is we've, we've both been, um, have taken a assessment called Clifton Strengths and that talks about um, strategic thinking strengths, relating strengths, influencing strengths and executing strengths. And when people have like, they, they will, they'll break it down. They have 34 strengths. They'll break it down into the top five. And for some of us, we will have a, a, a majority number of thinking strengths in our top five. I'm trying to keep this super simple. And when people have quite a few thinking strengths, sometimes we are prone to using it a lot and thinking and thinking and thinking in a way that can, as Anthony, I think you were alluding to this, or you may have actually said this, it creates its own problems. <laughs> like we get, we get a little stuck into trying to think our, our way out of something um, or overwhelming ourselves. Uh, and so I'm curious, Anthony, at the time, were you, were you kind of aware? It sounded like you may have been aware you were kind of overthinking, but I'm not, I wasn't clear if that was, was that something that you were realizing at the time or did you just, you said you took a step out of 
all the self-development. This actually plays well into what I'll, I'll touch on a bit later, but it, there was something, and we've all got it, it's, it's this innate wisdom that gets mentioned in, in um, different philosophies. It's like that little voice, that inner GPS. That if we get quiet enough and listen to it, it's pretty reliable, except that often we have so much thinking going on. We want to believe the thinking and, and just ignore that kind of inner wisdom that's pointing us in a different direction. Mm -hmm. I remember even back in that, in that time of my different roles, I would even in my lunch breaks, I'd be the one going out, wanting to go in the park, take the shoes off, just chill out for an hour and then come back fresh. Mm. So it was like, I didn't, again, I don't know how, how it played out at the time. I just, I think you get to that point of when you know, you know, type of thing. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I just started listening to that a lot more. And I think that's what kind of what I was pointing to in the ebbs and flows of what I was going through. I was innocently thinking that there was something, as like you mentioned before, broken in me because I'd been doing all this stuff the personal development trying to strategies and tactics and that type of thing but I was still it was like I was adding more on to an already insane thought hurricane oh yeah and it was it just wasn't useful but I thought that was what I needed to do because I read it in a book mm -hmm. think your way think harder think differently absolutely absolutely yeah and for those who have been thinkers um I, I personally, I, I related when we've had conversations before, um, I related to what you were describing and we first connected actually over myself actually realizing I needed to just slow down um, because trying to change my thinking was not helping. In fact, I got to a point where I felt so much worse and I just started to back off. And finally this past year, and I've shared this with you. I haven't really shared this with the listeners. I've been actually just like doing what you just described earlier with like slowing down. Like, let's just slow down. Let's just not try to really put something more in my plate. And you have a really great two word phrase. I think it's just two words to describe that approach. Do you know what I'm talking about? Subtractive psychology. Uh, subtractive psychology, yeah. <laughs> and I, and so, yes, yeah, subtractive psychology. So, um, were you, ex before we get too deep into that, was that already in your awareness when you and your wife picked up and decided to, you said you, t you en ended a job and, um, it sounds like it was culminating to ending the job with this idea of slowing down. It's like, there's, there's a, there's a little like piece there that, and if we can explore that a little because I think some people really go through this and they want, they were just like, I just screw it. I'm going to go. <laughs> but well, well, that's, well, that's exactly where I was at. I, I, I had enough. And, it, and that's what, what I was pointing to before when I said that when you know, you really know. Mm. And I'd, I'd gone to resign a number of times, but I never did. Mm. But then I got to a point where my health was between the night sweats, the, the sleepless nights, the everything, my body was telling me something, but I was ignoring it. Interesting. And 
that's when I literally got to that point where I said, no, I'm not doing this anymore. And when, well, again, just, just funny how it just happened to be a travel expo on that same week that I said, I'm not doing it anymore. We went to this travel expo. We booked the one year ticket and we said, okay, no accommodation book, nothing. Let's just go and just see what kind of eventuates as a result. So it's this expo week and you've got this, ah, I'm done. What next? Yeah. So we went along and, um, made our way around all the different exhibitors and that type of thing. And so we ended up actually booking a, a one year billeted, a one year ticket. Um, it was open-ended and, um, and funny enough, a cruise as well. So that was kind of like our, our kickstart. And then when we got back home, we, we just went looking for places to go and stay for the, for when we got there, because we had no idea. So we actually brought an element of fun into it as well at that point. Um, which some people, again, probably going back to my, my traditional type of travel planning days, I would have found that really, really awkward going and booking a ticket, not knowing anything apart from where I'm landing. And that's about it. Um, we actually stayed in Malta for the first um, six months. Mm. And the reason we actually chose that was because I'd been there previously. My wife had it. I really enjoyed it. Um, the fact that it's a tiny little gem in the Mediterranean, you, you're looking at a very, very small island. You've got waterfront everywhere, basically. So to be by the water, um, small villages, just just the serenity of just having the Mediterranean at your doorstep. And we were literally not like within five minutes walk to the waterfront. Where I did, and there was a beautiful um, 10 kilometer esplanade as well, which I do my morning walks or, or runs and then evening walks as well, uh, which was just beautiful. And, and going back to that slowing down, mm. that first three months being there, I quite literally can tell you I did nothing apart from just like curiosity kind of lead the way. So most mornings I'd get up, go for my walk. I'd sit by the water and just reflect and just let's see what kind of eventuates throughout the day. Uh, it was, it was a challenge at the start you know, from a busy mind thinking, okay, I want to make the most of this. There's all these new cool things I want to see. All, all this type of stuff was going on for me, but it was, it was just being okay with whatever I was feeling hmm. and not having to jump on it just because I felt a certain way. And that, that in itself was a massive lesson for me. Just the fact that it, it's okay just to, just to be and not have to be doing something all the time. Well, and it sounds like coming from your background, like you said, with the, a lot of thinking and from the finance world. And so it's, it sounds like it's quite a shift from what you had been, like you said, you're like now just slowing down and just feeling. So for three months, you did nothing. I, I did nothing in, in the, again, in the context of like looking for a job or looking to do something intentional mm. it was more having okay i wake up let's see what goes on okay 
very different. And well, I think should... we, we get caught up in these to-do lists that we want to do, especially when you're traveling as well. Okay. You want to you want to hit all these things, that, and it's great going exploring as a tourist and that type of thing. But for me, it was just about let, let's see what just unfolds without intentionally going out to go and do stuff, and that was huge. So you've got the one-year ticket, and you're in Malta. You're in Malta for six months. So at the six-month mark, I'm guessing, did something change? Did you go somewhere next? Well, it was probably about three months into it that I actually, I, I started to sit really comfortably with not knowing mm. or that whole uncertainty or just like being comfortable with the unknown. And that's where I started to, because at that point, I still wasn't sure what kind of career type of focus I wanted to go down, a path I wanted to go down or what I wanted to focus on moving forward and that type of thing. So I just started to, again, let curiosity start to surface. And from going to different meetings um, that were on the island with different groups and just getting to know different people, it kind of uh, sparked a, a bit of an interest around the digital marketing space. So then I started to learn a bit more around that because I, I love the... I guess the logistical backgrounds of of that type of thing, and that's what wanting to learn mm-hmm. and, and indulge myself in that type of thing, accumulate the knowledge, and well, I do that anyway just for fun. But this yeah. this kind of spurred my interest because it was such a massive thing at that time. It was really something to take off. Um, so then after that, so I, I subscribed to a few different courses and just went along. And the good thing was being in Europe as well the proximity to, to be able to fly to other countries out of Malta, especially being there's one airport and you can access so many different countries from there very affordably. Um, so there'd be events like in, in London or in Berlin that you could go to digital marketing events and just get to hang out with people and, and do that kind of thing. So I was, again, just letting whatever kind of came up in their moment, go follow that. Okay. On top of that, what was really cool for my wife and I, when we did um, have our weekends away, we get, we call it the Ryanair effect, where there's like a five euro type or $5 um, airfare, which gets released. And it was that they try to promote new destinations. So we just start going on random little five euro flights and discovering new places that we never even heard of. And that was really cool as well. Again, and being uncomfortable with the unknown again. Just was it, was it really uncomfortable at that point or was it more just, did it seem more natural? I think it started to feel a lot more, a bit of okayness okay. with it uh-huh. compared to what I probably would have previously. Mm-hmm. I think once you've started to travel to quite a few countries, because this, this European I guess, expedition at the time I'd already traveled a lot prior, just on, on the annual getaways. So I'd already had my feet kind of wet around the, the traveling side of things. Where this here was just, because it, I guess it was a mainstream, the destinations. So you're not too sure what to do when you get to the, on the ground, like different languages, different currencies even, trying to navigate your way around and that type of thing. So again, it puts that element of adventure into it as well. Mm-hmm. And I think just from continually exposing yourself to that type of thing, you do just become 
okay with not knowing. Mm. I, I also wonder because you had, had said, you know, you were starting to just slow down and, and do it. I, I can see somebody else might, might continue to be in that. I don't know. I don't know. But it sounded like you were already on the acceptance side of it. Like, okay. I felt, I've already felt like, I don't know. You spent three months in Malta experimenting with getting more comfortable with it. So it, it can be very scary. You know, sure. I, I had elements definitely um, where, oh my God, what, what do we do? Like we, we packed up our life through in storage and now we're on an island in the Mediterranean, as beautiful as it is, and I don't how know what you, I'm going to do. do yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I could see that be a real thing. A, a, you know, thought would be like show up again. Like, oh no, why you, how did you deal with that? How did that? How did that? Well, yeah. I I still was very much still on on the personal development type of on and off. Mm-hmm. So I'd letting curiosity kind of guide me again, going, okay, what's, what's going on? Why am I like, there's all these different strategies and tactics and that type of thing. And, and I went down, I actually fell back into the affirmations path mm. and I ended up feeling worse as a result as well. So I thought that, that wasn't my way out. Why, why do you, why did it seem like you felt worse? I have, an idea of why that might be based on my own experience, but I'm curious what you think, like how, why trying affirmations using that did not feel better and felt worse. And, and just, I'm, I'm not knocking affirmations at all. This is, this is just purely from yeah, yeah. my personal experience. For me, it was like, I, I had so much crap to use that going on in my brain, all these illusions of what, what have I done? Or, or just questioning my integrity, questioning everything. Then to try and just bombard myself with stuff that is supposed to make you feel better. That was using air quotes with the supposed to. Just <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, go ahead. I think it just it just built in a, a more of a conflict between the two. Mm, it didn't match up. It didn't at all. Mm. And I think that's where, and I, I see it clear as day that like now looking back, the, we can get caught up so easily in thinking that there's a way out of stuff when we, when we can just like our, our, our minds are like our entire bodies are amazing things. Like there's so many systems that are going on in our bodies all the time that we don't even have to think about. They just, they just do what they do. And that goes for our mind, our brain as well, from the way I look at it. And that's where, because I was in that environment in Malta, where I was doing nothing, even though I was chasing little kind of cures or would-be cures that I was kind of looking for, I kept on coming back to having to pretty much doing nothing because I, I was very, there wasn't a great deal for me to do apart from continue to stress out. And when you stop stressing out, you actually have less thinking. When you have less thinking, you start to see things a lot clearer again. I 
think I want you to say that again. When you stop stressing out, you have less thinking. Oh, I want you to say more about that because I think that's a really interesting idea or con I don't know. It's more than an idea. It's, it's clearly been true for you. And I've heard it from a number of others that you and I both know. Um, there's coming from the background and I'm, I can't speak exactly to Australia. <laughs> you can, <laughs> but I know from being in the U S there's this whole thing about like very, it's, uh, it's like using our brains to be very productive and proactive and figuring things out. And, um, and so when we're not doing that, causing earlier, what is it? You called it a, um, a thought, did you call it a thought storm? Yeah. Thought storms. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I've heard, I've heard, yeah. Similar, similar ish enough words that we'll, we'll, I like that thought storm where it just becomes like a little thought tornado and so forth. Um, with the overwhelm, like for those who are, of us who are, have these strong thinking strengths, <laughs> that's, that can be a challenge to really like step out of that or just let that go by. So did you, it's not like you were starting to, from earlier, you said you were, you were tapping into this, but I know of you from knowing you now that there's, there's more that you've been able to find. So I don't know if, where that showed up with the philosophy that you have been using now and you, and, and still continue to use like where that showed up in your journey. So you were, cause you were going through Europe, you're, I want to use the word that you and I both know, but our listeners don't know. <laughs> um, Cotty Wumpling yeah. <laughs> comes from a woman named Christy Halverson in it. Do you want to talk about that? Uh, just a word and then tell me, continue to tell uh, the story about like just being able to go out and not figure it out ahead. Yeah, so the Kodiwampul word, I believe, is a colloquialism. Um, basically, traveling with no real set destination, from my understanding. Last time I checked. It sounds, um, that sounds right. It sounds close yeah. enough. Yeah. Um, so, Christy, I actually heard it first from Christy, and um, I was actually on one of her programs, one of her Kodiwampul sessions last year. And it, it, helped me to kind of see more of what I'd experienced previously because I think sometimes I, I love one of my most favorite sayings is life is lived forward but understood backwards so for me as I continue to learn more and more and experience more and more moving forward it's really helped me to see and put words to my experience of, and my best guess of why things happened in the past and what I've kind of taken away from it moving forward as well. And it's true that we call about embodied understanding. You start to really, yeah, the, the, the depth of the understanding that you can then share with people and, and, and resonance with people as well, because you, you've experienced it firsthand just it helps you to see a whole new world and helps other people see a lot more as well. So 
that was that was one of the most amazing things for me because we already started traveling obviously before Cody Wample came into the thing into the picture so for me then to experience Cody Wample and look back and go wow all these things that have led me up to this point that's so cool because it's 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 basically I've been living the Cody Wample lifestyle without even knowing what it was and she yeah from that whole the definition of traveling without a destination in mind for how I've heard it too wasn't just in the physical actual travel but also in a way of like how life a way of living life or a re maybe a realization of how life happens so when were you introduced? I know there's another name for that. That So Christie's word, Cotty Wample, comes under the umbrella of a philosophy. And we we mentioned earlier subtractive psychology. Um, but I don't know. Did we define that really? Did we really talk about what subtractive psychology really means? Because when, when you were describing all the self-help and you said like the, the putting on, the putting more things in, but that didn't work. And that's when I brought up subtractive psychology. But I... I think this is a perfect place with Cotty Wample and to talk about how you stepped out and what subtractive psychology really, really what that is. Yeah. So subtractive psychology, the first time I actually heard that was from one of my mentors, Jamie Smart, um, who's in the same um, school of um, sharing the way I share. Mm -hmm. the way we believe that life from our own experience life actually works and um in the most basic terms it's taking stuff off the mind now i guess to kind of put some form of image to it it's like there's our brain and then there's that's what's beyond the brain now Again, trying to keep this as simple as possible in the time we've got. That's okay. Yeah. The, That's... Our, our brains are amazing computers. But there's something beyond the brain that helps that brain to operate as well. And when we look even going back at our, at our primal states, the brain has been there to protect us. So brains will do what brains are made to do, and that's protect And the way that kind of shows up in life is that when we, like going back to when I was freaking out in Malta, like have I made the right decision? What have I done? That type of thing. Looking back now, I can see my brain was simply making stuff up because it was trying to protect me because that's what it does. Now, yeah. I could have totally believed everything it was pumping in. But there, there was something beyond that wasn't sitting right with me. And I, I couldn't tell you what it is even now. But there was something that at the time I was feeling, I was, there was something, that inner knowing, saying, okay, now you can just ignore that. You just get quiet and just see what's on the other end. Hmm. Just slowing down. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think there's just so many wide applications on just that simple example then. As scary as it is, especially when you're talking about anxiety, um, like that whole overthinking, overwhelm, going into anxiety. 
like having experienced anxiety myself in the past, you, you're, you're already thought storming like crazy. Mm-hmm. And then you're trying to talk yourself out of your thought storm. So all that's doing is, is adding more, <laughs> more thinking into an already crazy thought storm. And yeah, it, it doesn't work. I relate to what you're saying. Having personally experienced anxiety for a lot of my life. Yeah. So in, in this travel, the slowing down and you're in Europe. So when did you find, or when were you, when did I guess find, or when did it come into to your, to your life? The, the, the kind of the, the philosophy that you were able to realize, oh, that's what this has been about. Like, and I, I'll let you name it. I'll let you like, you know, describe it as you like for their, for our short time together today. But, um, tell us, mm-hmm. tell us, how did you find it? So I guess continuing on from that first bit in Malta mm-hmm. and then over the time of four years, I'd say, I'd done the digital marketing thing. I jumped into the um, e-commerce arena as well. But I continually found myself at all these different workshops I was attending around the world. I was continually finding myself going back into coaching conversations with people. And then at the start of last year, when everything started locking down, my supply chain to the US had been severely impacted. So, and I was kind of falling out of love with that side of the business anyway. So I kind of cut ties with it and said, you know, whatever, move on (laughs) the kind of next bit of the adventure. And it was at that time that I was introduced to a, what I thought at the time was just a philosophy called the three principles. And as a very keen learner, I totally immersed myself for about nine months in in gaining an understanding of what this whole thing is about because there was definitely something that spoke to me with what I was hearing. And, And the fact that it was nothing to do with strategies or tactics and that people were gaining their own results with a whole lot less effort. There was something really, really drawing me towards that because I'm going, wow, this is what I'm going back to what I've shared already. I was always looking for the next thing to go and try and improve or make myself unbroken or whatever, whatever it is. Now to find this thing that's no tactics, no strategies, and it's a description based approach to life it's like yeah when you understand things how things work they become a lot less problematic because you, you understand the true nature of how things work like having an instruction manual you buy it go to ikea and you go buy something that needs assembling and if you don't have the instructions of how to put things together it can get pretty frustrating but if you have the instruction manual there 
you're kind of easy because you know how things are put together and then it'll work properly as you wish it to work. And that's what I, what really spoke to me in this. And what was crazy was I would get so frustrated with myself because I was getting it and then I wasn't getting it. I was getting it and then I wasn't getting it. And it was just this, like, what, going back into the what's wrong with me, why, why can't I get this, this type of thing? And it's very much an insights-focused way of getting this understanding as well. Because once you have an insight, you can't really unsee what you've seen. Oh, my gosh, that's so true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's akin to, um, well, it, this, one, this example gets used a lot, but I think of that scene in The Matrix where you take which pill do you choose, and once you've like taken and you can see, then you're like, oh, right. It, it, it's its own interesting journey, for sure. So yeah. you have these insights. You're having the insights. Well, it, it took me a while because and this is, again, a mis talk about mis innocent misunderstandings. I was, think, I was hearing through all these workshops I was going through with, with these three principles events, people having massive insights. I'm going, like, when, when's mine going to come? <laughs> trying, to, trying to force it type mm. of thing. And I was like, what, what's going on? And I, I literally went so heavy for nine months learning from all different teachers from mm. this understanding. And I got to the point where I went, you know what, I'm having a break from this. And it was in that break that I had that everything just started to sink into place. I think that's such a really well-stated way that things often occur, yeah? Like sometimes we push, we force. Um, it, there's, there's just that element of backing off, relaxing into it a little, if you will. And sometimes it's just things have to, it sounds like this is, correct me if I'm wrong. It sounds like this is your experience too, is that sometimes we just have to like back off and let something, well, one of our mentor friends calls it emergence, Allegra. <laughs> like emergence, or I think of it too as like germination, like something just takes time to take root and grow. You know, I, I'm not a super nature person, but I love metaphors. And I think about like, there are some different plants where it takes a while for something to take root and grow, like bamboo. Bamboo, For example, exactly. bamboo. Bamboo yeah. can take quite a long time. Well, it seems like a long time before it starts to grow. And then it suddenly shoots up. It's, it's, um, it's just a great metaphor for having some patience with ourselves. And you, you pointed to it before too when you said that trying to figure stuff out, like this that back off and, and go back to the emergence thing. It's like how many times have we in our lives been so focused trying to figure something out then we go for a walk and it pops in our head? Like were you thinking at that time about the thing you were trying to think your way out of? No. <laughs> One of my favorite, one of my favorite tool uh, strategies, with, if you will, like I allow it. I found is, I haven't been on a bike ride lately, but sometimes my husband and I go out on our bikes on the trails. We'll be out for an hour, and and I found this like if I was trying to think of naming something or doing so, you know, something, 
and I'll just be like, we're a good 30 minutes into it. And I'm like, oh yeah, so I wonder about this. And I'll just keep pedaling. And I was like, ah, and all of a sudden the thing will like pop and I'll be like, perfect. Just it's, or walking. Yeah, if I'm not trying to listen to something else. Um, movement, like just being in, in that whole, getting that body into that rhythm, which is maybe a little different than what we're talking about, but um, that's been one of my my favorite ways to sort of get my thinking brain to just calm the heck down is <laughs> just to go do something that requires me to move and give a little different focus even or not focus not focusing well, on the issue per se the issue quote unquote but well that's one thing i point to as well when i'm working with people is that it, it will show up in all different ways for different people like for me, like I, I'm very much in tune. Like when I'm starting to overthink, it's it's like an elastic band slapping me on the wrist, like flicking it on my wrist. Like I will take time out. I will some days, I mean, go for a walk. Some days I'll be just lighting up for 20 minutes. Some day it'll be like, I'm not doing anything more today. And that's pointing back to that innate wisdom we've got. Like if we get quiet enough, we, we can see a lot more. And when we start to feel that overwhelm, we know, like only we will know what that point is and let that kind of guide us into what we need to do next. Yeah. And I would say from my experience, and I think you can relate to this too, like depending on how much like what we think of as, as time on the planet in our years and whatever, depending on how long you've been, a, a person has been sort of looking at this, someone could be hearing this and going like, I have no idea how you do that. Like I have zero clue how to listen. Um, I'm wondering, Anthony, if, if you have um, maybe a, something you can, a question or an offering of a, how do I want to say this? Like, how would you, if someone, if you were just meeting somebody and you had like a minute or two minutes with them and they were talking about this, like, what would you say to them? Like you were hearing it and they said like, man, I need some help. And everybody knows like, you'll get like a minute or two, just something that, that not that they would complete in that moment. It could be, but even something they could take and like try. Do you have any suggestions or thoughts about what that might look like. Like if someone's trying to tap in a little more to that innate wisdom, to that listening, to the voice you were talking about. The, I think the, everyone knows what it feels like. They would have experienced at some point in their life what it's like to have a still mind. So at least there's, there's, there's some historical kind of benchmark that, that they can at least look at, that it is possible what they've experienced in the past. Whenever I work with anyone, I really bring home, and this is where even my, I guess, modality, if you want to put that kind of word to it, is 
I want to explain to people how I've seen our, our personal experience works. Because when you, when you can see it for yourself, going back to that mind metaphor, the brain and who we really are, like get curious to who are we before our thinking gets in the way. And if we, yes, I, I, I totally appreciate this, this, that overwhelm and that it always, we're humans, we're going to experience it. And it might just be a case where you just try from time to time of just literally going and doing nothing and get a taste for it again. And just observe. Don't try and figure it out. Don't try and analyze it. Just observe as if you're detached from you and you're seeing what kind of feelings you type of experience or even the thoughts that even, you're going to have thoughts coming through all the time. But just observe without having to actually do anything from it. And as you start to experience that more and more, you actually for yourself go more into presence anyway. Because remember, we, we can only ever feel anxious or fearful when we're thinking about the future. Because if we're present and, and we're just being, there is nothing else there really. And it's always available to us. And that's what I think the best thing is. It's always available to us. And it takes no effort, really. We don't need to go pull a book out. We don't need to go and say some stuff to ourselves. We don't have to go and try and control out. We can just sit and do nothing. And once you get a taste for that, it's something from my experience and from the people I've helped, they want more of. Uh, yes, calming, letting the mind become still. And as you were describing that, it makes me think of that moment. I think, yeah, a lot of people, if not most people have had that, if all, that idea of being able to witness your, like, feel like you're witnessing yourself. But changing it a little bit from sometimes that, that experience of like, oh, I'm doing this to like, more like just witnessing the experience of rather than uh, experience of what we're, we're feeling and seeing and oh yeah there's a thought going by so it doesn't it's less about personalized does that seem like what your experience is like sometimes I think we've personalized a lot of things like well those are my thoughts those are my things it's, it's so kind of some stepping back and going like oh I I see there's that thought rather than that's my thought. Um, that's helped me. I don't know if that's exactly what you're kind of referring to, but it's sort of, uh, it helps to kind of realize that I can see it without like owning it, grabbing it. One of the, one of the terms I always use to point to that is the impersonal nature of thought. Mm. It only becomes problematic when we make it personal. So true. We're always going to have thoughts and we've got no control over our thoughts. What? They just pop in. <laughs> just pop in <laughs> and then we just make them so damn personal and we wonder why we feel the way we feel. And that points to another thing, that the thought-feeling connection. Mm 
we're feeling our thoughts. I was being a little sarcastic facetious in that moment because I, I totally understand what you're saying. Like, you know, we, you know, how we control our thoughts and it's like, well, no, <laughs> I think that's really freeing when, when, you know, to get to a place where if, if a person's willing to play with that and explore it and go like, wait, yeah, I can't control that. My brain makes up some crazy stuff sometimes. I've seen, I personally have seen my brain come up with something like, okay, no, 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 that one, let that one go. I'm not going to fixate on that one. It just wasn't useful. It wasn't helpful. So, Anthony, I thank you so much for coming today. I, I think you just shared something that I often ask people at the end of the interview is like, if you had one minute to, um, share something with a whole stadium full of people, what would you say? If there's something else you want to add on to it, I would be happy to have that on this, on this episode. If you, I think you just said a lot of it about our thoughts, but is there anything more you want to add before we close? I think I'll, I'll quote one thing from Sydney Banks, who was the Scottish mystic who um, put into words the, the three principles. I think that'll, that'll be a nice way to, to sum this whole conversation up. And that is, the only thing that people learned was not to be afraid of their experience. That alone would save the world. Hmm. Now that one I'm willing to think about. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on the episode today. I feel like you and I could do this for hours, <laughs> but I know we all have things to go on. And I, I also want to re send people who are interested to you. So where can they find you? Where can they find your information? And I will put this in the show notes as well, but would you tell us? Well, I'm on LinkedIn. So with my name being the long name that it is, especially my surname there, definitely look down at the show notes to, to grab that. Um, there's also anthonydonatacho.com, which is, um, just gives you a bit of a summary on me there. Um, definitely probably the two most used mediums. I, I, so just, yeah, connect with me on LinkedIn, probably the easiest. Okay. And drop me a connection request and a message there. Happy to connect. All right. So we'll, we can find you on LinkedIn and on your website. And thank you so much for coming. This was a pleasure. Um, I love this conversation when you and I get to chat about it. I got to learn a little more about you and some fun just talking about the nature of life. Thank you, Krista. I really enjoyed it too. Thanks for listening. If you heard something helpful in today's podcast, please leave a five-star rating and tell me and other listeners about it in a review. If you leave a five-star review, I'll give you a shout out in a future episode. Thanks again and have a bolder day.